0: This is your host, Dr. Jordan Silverstein, and you're listening to the Let's Talk Cancer podcast, where we make information about cancer easy to access for patients and their families. But please remember, the information presented here is for education purposes only and is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. To maintain privacy, identifying details about patients have been changed for this podcast. Today, we will talk with Dr. Natalie Marshall about the interplay of exercise and cancer. Dr. Natalie Marshall is a breast medical oncologist, lifestyle medicine doctor, and also participates in clinical trials at UCSF. She works with her patients on modifying their habits with the goal of making their bodies less hospitable to cancer growth. This includes instruction and encouragement on diet, sleep, stress reduction, and exercise, including a focus on strength training. It is important for, to her to let patients know how lifestyle modifications can lower the risk of cancer recurrence. Dr. Marshall earned her medical degree at the University of Texas. She completed a residency in internal medicine at the University of New Mexico Hospital and a fellowship in medical oncology at Yale. Welcome, Dr. Marshall. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Well, let's start out pretty, this is a very broad topic I can imagine. So what are the overarching general recommendations you give for patients with cancer about exercise? So the first thing is that it's really important
1: to stay active. If you get a cancer diagnosis um, and you've, if you've been active, it's really important to stay active during treatment because it can decrease side effects of treatment. Um, and it can help um, patients not lose muscle mass. Um, one of the most important predictors of death um, is if you have low muscle mass. And that's in the general population as well as the cancer, the cancer population. So it's important to try to maintain muscle mass and exercise and be active during cancer treatment. Um, something that's really interesting is that um, patients that even if they do just a little bit of exercise, let's say somebody is sedentary when they're diagnosed. If they just start to do a little bit of exercise, like five minutes a day of walking or 10 minutes a day of walking, and then they kind of build themselves up, that actually can really help them with fighting treatment side effects and also help them start to you know, get the benefits of exercise and in, in maintaining and building muscle mass.
0: I can imagine that while going through treatment, you're exhausted. The last thing you want to do is exercise, but it sounds like that's in some ways counter counter to what the benefits of exercise can bring. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. So in patients that are on active treatment, there've been some studies done that have shown that it's the most powerful way to decrease cancer-related f- treatment fatigue. And that is a very bad side effect that patients get from chemotherapy, radiation, from um, getting even surgery and recovering from like a big surgery. Um, Exercise is the thing that can lower fatigue the most of any other modality, including like taking stimulants. Um, Exercise works better than taking stimulants or drugs. Um, In addition, What they showed in some studies that have been done with exercise as an active intervention with patients who are on chemotherapy, there's a lower risk of getting hospitalized. There's lower out-of-pocket costs for patients. There's lower overall health costs for patients being treated. And uh, patients have a better quality of life. They report a better quality of life and lower fatigue rates. Um, And most importantly, or very importantly, is that more people complete their chemotherapy who Mm. exercise during treatment and so then you know we think that if you complete all your chemotherapy you're going to have a better cure rate so it's actually it's such an important thing to talk to patients about and for patients to know about um i think in the old days a lot of doctors said oh just rest eat whatever you want don't don't push yourself well i would say it's the exact opposite like Eating really healthy, eating an anti-inflammatory diet, exercising during treatment, even if it's just a tiny bit of exercise, um, can make a really big difference for patients You know, with side effects.
0: Yeah. So you've said a lot of benefits of exercising, like tolerating chemotherapy better, having less treatment-related fatigue. We can talk more about the benefits, but how much exercise do patients really need? So... I wanna,
1: can I like back up a little bit and talk about prevention and then translate it to cancer patients? I'd I'd like to do it that way because I think it puts it into context. Um, There are these guidelines called the Physical Activity Guidelines for Americans. Anybody can look them up online and download the PDF for it. And what that shows, um, and it has a lot of data behind it in research, it could be an hour and a half per week of intense exercise three hours per week of moderate intensity exercise. So that would be the aerobic component. So that would be like brisk walking 30 minutes a day, you know, six days a week, Um, three hours a week of moderate intensity exercise. Or if a person were doing intense exercise, like running or riding a bike where they were getting their heart rate up, where they, they couldn't really carry on a conversation, it would be half as much. It could be an hour and a half per week of intense exercise, three hours per week of moderate intensity exercise. I tell my patients about something called the talk-sing test. So if you can sing a song or your favorite song while you are walking or exercising, you're not walking fast enough. You're not doing it fast enough to get the benefit. So you wanna be able to talk to your partner or your child or whoever you're walking with, but not sing a song. If you're doing intense exercise, it would be where you couldn't really carry on a conversation without, you know, taking a breath, like you're huffing and puffing just a little bit. Um, So three hours a week of moderate or an hour and a half a week of intense exercise, and then two episodes per week of strength training exercises. And that would be, that could be yoga. That could be Pilates That could be body weight strength training, like doing some squats at home or push-ups. And it could be push-ups on a table if you can't do a push-up on a floor. Um, But about 20 minutes twice a week, at least 40 minutes a week of strength training exercise is important also for building muscle mass. So those are the physical activity guidelines for Americans. And that includes like adolescents, um, kids, adults, just to stay healthy and prevent chronic disease. So when they did studies using exercise with cancer patients for survivorship, so after a cancer diagnosis and treatment is over, those are the recommendations for cancer patients as well. Hmm. Strength training exercises twice a week and three hours a week of moderate intensity or an hour and a half of intense exercise. Now, if you're in the middle of treatment, and you're really sick. Maybe you can't do that much exercise. Maybe that's like not realistic for some people, um, especially if they hadn't been exercising before um, the, a diagnosis. So what I would say, to, what I say to all of my patients is, do whatever you can. So if you can only walk five minutes a day, do that. If you can only walk fifteen minutes a day, do that. If you have to break it up, let's say you want to walk thirty minutes a day, like the guidelines but you can do 15 in the morning and 15 at night. You don't have to do it all together. Or you could do three 10-minute walks. Um, It is important just to do whatever you can do with your side effects. And if you do something rather than doing nothing, you will have less side effects from your treatment. Um, The other thing is that um, there's data that shows people who exercise that, that amount of exercise that we just talked about prior to a diagnosis have um, a lower you know, or prior to having cancer, they have a lower risk of getting almost every cancer that has been studied. So about 26 cancers have been shown to have a lower, you have a lower risk of getting those cancers if you did that level of exercise as your maintenance therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, after a diagnosis of getting cancer, so like, let's say I'm diagnosed with breast cancer tomorrow, if I exercise that amount after a diagnosis, I have a lower risk of recurrence of around a 40% decrease risk of recurrence. Mm-hmm. That's also true for prostate cancer and colon cancer as well. So that is kind of the recommended amount of exercise. And something that's interesting is that doing a lot more than that, when you get past like 150 minutes a week of moderate exercise, getting past 300 minutes a week Mm -hmm. doesn't really like, you know, like doing more doesn't mean it's better. It doesn't give you an increasing benefit. There's like a sweet spot, which is somewhere between 150 to
0: 300 minutes of moderate intensity exercise. So just to summarize, the general recommendations to prevent cancer To to help prevent cancer and while undergoing cancer treatment is three hours of moderate intensity exercise, meaning you can talk, walk, sing during the exercise. You can't sing. You can walk, you you can can talk, but you can't sing. Not sing. Okay. That's a good Mm -hmm. distinction. If you can sing
1: well and not, you know, if you can sing your song, you're not walking fast enough.
0: Okay. So three hours of moderate intensity. And one and a half of high intensity, you can't complete a sentence while you're doing high. Yeah, or, either or, right. So, and then in addition, two times a week of some sort of strength training. And those are just 20 minute intervals twice a week.
1: Yeah, and if you wanna do like an hour of strength training twice a week, that's fine. Cause sometimes it takes longer to do strength training, but doing like strength muscle mass building exercise pilates yoga weight lifting or body weight strength training those all mm-hmm. count
0: and the general feeling and there's data to support is something is better than nothing moving yes. in any possible way during cancer treatment can help side effects and potentially even prevent recurrence in what you said breast prostate and colon cancer that's right those
1: the the three Tumors with the very strongest evidence of prevention of recurrence after a diagnosis are colon, prostate, and breast, which are three tumors that are very common tumors in the world. There are millions of people that have those types of cancer. And so decreasing risk of recurrence by exercising after a diagnosis is really, really important to to make sure patients know that.
0: Hmm. Yeah.
1: There's also... also, um, been studies looking at uh, a host of other, um, a host of other kinds of measurements and what, whether strength training or aerobic exercise helps different types of measurements. So for instance, sleep, depression, and anxiety are helped most by aerobic exercise. Mm. So that could be the moderate intensity or the intense exercise. After a diagnosis of cancer and for people who are in treatment and recovering from treatment, aerobic exercise works the best for depression, anxiety, and sleep. Strength building or resistance exercise works better for lymphedema prevention in breast cancer patients. So if you do resistance training, you're less likely to get a lymphedema of the arm or for bone health and helping keep bone health, Mm -hmm. um, you know, as optimal as possible. And both aerobic and um, resistance exercise help with fatigue, cancer-related fatigue, health-related quality of life on surveys that have been done in patients, and physical function, including, importantly, in family functioning, social role functioning. Mm. So being able to have enough energy because you're exercising to cook or to take care of your kids or to go to work or, you know, there are ways in which exercise can patient help patients function better within their family and their, their work environment too.
0: So is the idea is you exert yourself during exercise that builds up the ability to be able to take on things that are potentially exertional, like cooking for the family, showing up for a loved one, uh, hanging out with a friend. It's like you build up your stamina by keeping exercise as a routine, and then you build that allows you to do some of the things in life that just take that are take more effort. Is that the idea? I I don't know exactly
1: um, how it works, and that I think it helps what I've noticed in taking care of patients Mm -hmm. is it helps people not be as fatigued and thus Mm -hmm. they have energy to do the other things that are important to them. And Uh, the other thing is that when you exercise, it lowers your, it lowers inflammation in your body. mm -hmm. And if you have a lot of inflammation, it can make you feel sick. It can make you feel tired, weak, like flu, like symptoms. So and joint pains, for instance. Mm -hmm. So if you exercise and you're lowering inflammation, that makes the patient not feel so ill. And then they can function in their
0: role a little bit better. What would you say is the most convincing proposed mechanism for how exercise either prevents cancer or stops recurrences? I love this question. And I love explaining this, um,
1: this very complex answer. So when... When a person exercises, it changes chemicals that are uh, in the body. It lowers certain chemicals and it raises other chemicals within the body when you exercise. And conversely, if you don't exercise, some chemicals that would go down if you're exercising go up. Okay. So we know that there are certain um, chemicals, what we call cytokines, And we also sometimes call them adipokines and myokines. And what that is, is just a name for chemicals that the fat cells are making. Those are called adipokines. Adipose tissue is another name for fat. So the fat in our body, those cells make certain chemicals. We call them adipokines. The muscle, the skeletal muscle also makes chemicals. We call those myokines. Okay, those are just... Uh, chemicals that the body makes naturally so if you exercise what happens is that the muscle chemicals block the ability of the fats chemicals to talk to the tumor microenvironment. now that's a like a big thing that i just said so the the tumor is not just its own thing it has it's growing in an environment where it's interacting with the cells that are around it And those cells make chemicals that talk to the tumor and they can talk to the tumor and help it grow Mm -hmm. or they can stop talking to it, like ignore it and not let it grow, okay? So when you exercise, you lower inflammatory markers that help the cancer grow. You lower um, estrogen, which can help the cancer cells grow in certain cancers. You lower um, insulin, which is a big growth factor for a lot of different kinds of cancer. So you lower the insulin level in the blood, and then that helps those cells in the microenvironment not talk to the cancer cell or not directly stimulate it. Um, it also, um, there's a lot of other chemicals like insulin growth factor and um estrogen, inflammatory markers, and then all of these other chemicals that I can't even name them all, they're like thousands of them um, that can interact with cells within our body. But what we know exercise does is it lowers the bad ones, it raises the good ones, and it also stimulates your immune system. And when people exercise, you can find evidence of the immune system going into that tumor microenvironment where the cancer is growing. And infiltrating in there and it it stimulates the immune system. And we think it has an effect on the immune system being able to recognize the cancer and attack it. So it's very complicated, Mm -hmm. but the simple thing that you can do, going for a walk for 30 minutes or doing some body weight strength training at home, that can help make your body more hostile to cancer growth, make it harder for it to to be able to, to grow.
0: And can we talk about how much benefit, like what about, what studies have you, do you um, in general talk about in terms of what, where are we thinking in terms of decreasing the risk of recurrence? You said 40% earlier. Well, okay. So
1: there's like um, in the pre-diagnosis setting, Mm -hmm. there's a meta-analysis, which I could send you.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, It's a, it's, well, it's actually, it's a meta-analysis of all the exercise studies from 1992 through 2018 and across the board, pre-diagnosis, physical activity lowers the risk of getting the cancers, all the cancers, Mm -hmm. except for melanoma. In the post-diagnosis setting, and the same thing, and all these studies are listed, which I could send you, Mm -hmm. um, the strongest evidence is in breast, colon, and prostate. And in breast and prostate, it lowers the risk by about 40%. And I don't remember the number on colon, but it's also very significant. Um, it's either 30 or 40% risk reduction of recurrence Mm -hmm. um, for people who exercise at the level that we talked about post-diagnosis.
0: Wow, these are high numbers we're talking about
1: here. It's very, they're very high numbers. And so I, you know, what I really want to to tell people or to have people understand is that exercise helps prevent people from getting cancer. Exercise also helps prevent chronic disease like diabetes, cardiovascular disease, Alzheimer's, um, you know, hyperlipidemia, hypertension. So it helps with all these chronic diseases, but it also lowers the risk of you having severe side effects, being hospitalized, not being able to complete your chemotherapy. You know, it helps people with treatment while they're being treated. And then in the post-diagnosis setting, it helps people recover and in certain cancers lowers the
0: risk of recurrence. So the main benefits of exercise for cancer care is number one, prevention, like you talked about. And Mm -hmm. that's a very interesting framing for me. Um, Number two is lowering the risk of side effects during active cancer treatment Number three, helps recovery after cancer treatment. And number four, decreases the risk for recurrence. Are there other benefits that I'm missing? Yes, um, that we haven't talked about. So one thing
1: I actually want to talk about is that it doesn't matter if you lose weight. Hmm. Okay, so a lot of people, they correlate exercise with trying to lose weight or dieting with trying to lose weight. And what they've shown in patients uh, with exercise is that it's independent of whether you lose weight or not. Okay, so if you exercise, it helps you even if you don't lose weight. And I think that's really important because that way people have a different reason to exercise. It's not about like what they look like or what they weigh on the scale, right? Mm -hmm. So that's one thing. Second thing is that Um, body mass index or what you weigh is not a great correlate of your body composition. And I like to talk to my patients about muscle mass as well. Now I'm, I'm a uh, weightlifter. I'm an Olympic weightlifter that, that I do that for my exercise. And I, before COVID I was competing in the master's division and I'm not very good, but I just love training and I love, you know, keeping my muscles big and strong. Mm
0: -hmm. Um,
1: So body composition, you can have uh, a lot of muscle mass and have the same body composition of someone who has twice as much fat tissue. Mm -hmm. So two people could have the same body mass index Mm-hmm. But one might have a lot more muscle mass and one have might have a lot more fat tissue. And you can even have a normal body mass index and be what we call skinny fat, which means you're not overweight by the body mass index, but you have not very much muscle mass and you have something called sarcopenia. Sarcopenia is low muscle mass. It happens as people age. It happens when people don't exercise. It happens when people are ill. Like if you have cancer and you're really sick and you're not moving, you're not exercising and it can happen if you have advanced cancer where it's metastatic, your body will start to use the muscle for energy. So maintaining muscle mass is super important. Building muscle mass is super important. And that's why exercise is really important. It's, it's, and that's why strength training exercise is really important because that's what helps people build more muscle mass compared to the, the fat mass. Um, it's it's actually uh, something that um, patients are sometimes afraid of. They're afraid to do strength training exercises. They're afraid they might hurt themselves, mm-hmm. but there are very safe ways to do strength training. and. If a person is not sure or they have like an injury to a shoulder or they've had surgery maybe on their breast and their shoulder doesn't work right they can always ask their doctor for a referral to a physical therapist who can help them build a program for them with their limitations to continue to um, build muscle mass and do strength training that's safe for them um, but if a person doesn't have limitations you know, just going to yoga class or going to Pilates or doing something online or doing some strength training exercises at home or or doing some lightweight training that can really help with building muscle mass and fighting sarcopenia.
0: And can you explain more why building muscle mass is important? Because muscle is an endocrine organ, just like fat
1: is an endocrine organ and Mm -hmm. muscle makes these chemicals that help lower insulin resistance Mm -hmm. and lower insulin and talk, you know, stop the crosstalk of the fat cell to the tumor, which helps it grow. It kind of blocks that crosstalk. So the more muscle mass you have, the better you are metabolically to, to
0: basically make it hard for your cancer to grow. That's fascinating. So the potential mechanism for how exercise there's many, many how exercise can help either prevent recurrence or prevent cancer is truly through muscles that have chemicals that go into the body that potentially fight chemicals that can cause cancer. Right. That it kind of stops that crosstalk of the chemicals. And it's not
1: solely that mechanism, but that's one of mm-hmm. the main mechanisms um, is just helping with glucoregulation, lowering insulin level lowering insulin growth factor, these different things that can, you know, stimulate certain cancers, it blocks those. And I mean, exercise helps people maintain their weight. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways, especially like in postmenopausal women that we make estrogen is in our fat cells. So if you have more fat cells, you're making more estrogen. Mm
0: -hmm. And if you
1: have an estrogen positive breast cancer, that's going to increase your, you know, if you gain more weight or you become more obese, those fat cells can make more estrogen. So exercise also helps you just maintain your weight and not gain more weight, you know? And so it it just helps us in all kinds of ways, even if you don't lose weight.
0: Hmm. Any other benefits of exercise that we haven't discussed? Um, It's something fun you can do
1: with your kids. Yes. (laughs) You know, um, we have like a real problem in America right now and in the world really in the modern world of kids not being as active as they used mm-hmm. to be when like when i was growing up i'm an old lady um when i was growing up we didn't have video games you know and we didn't have our phones and we would be out playing we'd be out exercising you mm-hmm. know just playing really not like formal but we were more active then yeah and we also didn't have ultra processed foods and now what we're finding in in Kids that are adolescents, and even kids that are, you be- haven't even gone into puberty yet, is that because of the inactivity, there's more obesity, there's more hyperlipidemia, there's heart disease that they're finding in teenagers now because of mm-hmm. like all the chronic diseases that older people can get when they become inactive. Maybe yeah. we're seeing that in younger people. So if you're a parent, the other thing about exercise is you can do something with your kid. You can go for a walk. You can go for a hike. Mm -hmm. You could go for a bike ride together, you know, and it's a time, a way of spending time with your kid that, um, is meaningful, but it also is very good for both of you. You know, it's good for your, the health of your family.
0: Mm -hmm. And you talked about aerobic exercise and strength training exercise to increase muscle mass. Is there any specific exercise like yoga you discussed that you recommend for people over another? Um, That's uh, a really
1: good question. I, I actually do exercise prescriptions that are kind of built for the patient because there's not a one size fits all. Mm-hmm. Um, some people hate yoga and some people just love it. Um, I find in breast cancer patients, yoga and Pilates is is re- are really good Um, because they help with range of motion of the shoulder and chest, which is oftentimes tight because of the surgeries that the patient may have had or radiation. Um, There are also exercise prescriptions and exercise programs that are built for people that have pelvic cancers, like gynecologic cancers or rectal cancer, things where they affect the pelvic floor and the the strength of the pelvis and the pelvic floor, there are really great exercises that a patient can do that target that area in addition to like walking or biking or something else. But those are, um, those are kind of specific for the cancer type and maybe what the
0: problems are related to the treatment related to that. That's helpful. And are there specific resources you point your patients towards? to f- learn more about this topic?
1: Yes, I, I do. Um, There is a really great website that every patient should know about called Moving Through Cancer. Mm. And I think any provider that takes care of patients with cancer should know about this website because there's resources you can print that you can give to patients. There's an exercise prescription on there which you can write to for the patient which is pretty... and I don't know. It's empowering for a patient to get a prescription. Mm-hmm. Like... You need to walk 30 minutes a day and that's your homework till you see me again. And it's something that they can do that they have control over. They don't have control over the fact that they have cancer, but they have control over what they can choose to do or not do. Right. Mm -hmm. So I like giving people options for what they can do. Um, But this this website moving through cancer. It's was designed by the American College of Sports Medicine. Um, A woman named Catherine Schmitz, who is a world renowned expert in oncology and cancer exercise oncology is what we call it. She, um, she did a lot of the studies um, that came up with these guidelines. She did a study showing that that resistance training helps with lymphedema prevention and treatment, um, which was like not what people thought Mm -hmm. and it changed how we treat patients. And it's awesome. But this website has been curated by the, American um, Society for um, ASCM—that's what it's called—and um, it has references, resources, patient resources, healthcare provider
0: resources. So I point people to that website.
1: I will moving, leave that. moving through cancer. Yeah,
0: that's really helpful. And just to finish off, we've we've learned so much about the benefits of exercise, the proposed mechanism, how much exercise. Could you share a patient that you've taken care of that's really used exercise to change the way that they've experienced their cancer care? I have I have three patients that I could share with you. And I, I want to share
1: all three of them because they're totally different. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, I have um, a woman who had breast cancer and she, she had to take chemotherapy and she had to take uh, surgery and radiation and hormone blockade and she was just she hated exercise. In fact, the first day I met her I asked her if she exercised and she said, "Are you kidding me? No. And I'm mm-hmm. not going to do it." And she was she's very hardcore about not doing exercise and over time as we got to know each other over the years, I kept on asking her about it and I said, "What are the barriers that you have to go for a walk?" And she said, "Well, I have a dog and I have to take him for a walk and he's so big and he's so strong and Um, I was doing this um, strength training program for breast cancer patients. And I put her on the strength training program and it's an online app thing that she did and she Mm -hmm. could do it at home. It wasn't like complicated. And she came in about six months later to see me. And she said, I'm the boss of my great Dane now because (laughs) I'm so strong. And she was showing me her bicep muscle and she was so empowered that she could now walk her dog without the dog walking her. And it's a little thing, but after having breast cancer and your and your dominant arm is weakened, she felt like she was back to better than her baseline. Wow. A second, a second patient um, was this heavy uh, woman who had all kinds of medical problems. She had all kinds of comorbidities like diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol. She was on a bunch of medications and I put her on the anti-inflammatory diet and I told her to walk 30 minutes a day, to build up to walking 30 minutes a day. And mm-hmm. she came back to see me six months later and she had lost 50 pounds and she was off four of her five medicines. And it was wow. Such a simple thing for me to tell her. And I said, it doesn't matter if you lose weight, it's just gonna help lower your risk of your cancer and it's gonna help you it's gonna help you recover from treatment. And she took it to heart. And nobody had ever talked to her about that before. And then my third one is a woman who was just she's just a tiny little person. And she had a lot of terrible bilateral breast cancer. A lot of terrible things happened to her during treatment. She had a lot of complications. She got down to 80 pounds. She was sarcopenic. She was very skinny and she'd lost all of her muscles. And she started working with a physical therapist who gave her a specific strength training thing. And we put her on a special diet to help her gain weight. And she's gained 15 pounds of muscle and she, wow. she now has some muscle and she's gained weight and she feels really well. And she's, but it was through strength training. That is what really helped her
0: specifically.
1: Yeah. So it's just, it can really help people if you help them understand why they need it and mm-hmm. give them a way to do it.
0: Those stories really put all of that you've said into perspective and make it seem reachable, doable. Even though it does seem like another thing in the cancer journey, it, there's so much benefit that we've heard through this episode and just really learning and educating ourselves about the benefit can be super helpful. Well, thank you so much for taking the time with me today. I know I learned a ton. I'm sure anyone who's listening will have learned a lot too. Any final words for our listeners? Um, first of all, thank you for having me. But my final words are
1: never do nothing. Even if you go for a five minute walk, it's better than nothing. Just always try to move every day a little bit.
0: Well, thank you, Dr. Marshall. So appreciate your time. You're welcome. Thanks everybody. And that's all for today on the Let's Talk Cancer podcast. Please follow us on Spotify and Instagram And pass it along to anyone you think would benefit from learning about cancer. And don't forget, tune in to our next episode.